Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A warning, this series contains discussion of themes that might be distressing for some listeners. Despair today for the supporters of Peter Ellis. I just felt sick, despondent. I thought, God, he's going to be sitting there listening to all this. And where do we go from here? What can he do? It must be awful to know you're innocent and be in jail. I was shocked and amazed um, to think that three learned gentlemen sitting on a bench in Wellington could uh, swallow such... Uh, Hysterical junk as this. Peter Ellis, The Crash Case, and me is a newsroom.co.nz production. We take you right inside one of New Zealand's most controversial cases when a kind of madness gripped Christchurch, resulting in a miscarriage of justice that would take 30 years to put right. It was a saga that divided a city, destroyed families, and shocked the nation. Mrs. Ellis, are you convinced that your son is innocent? Completely convinced my son is innocent. I don't know how I ended up with 30 child abuse charges. I think he's a very clever offender. If I asked you to take a lie detector test, would you take it? I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Some of the words that are said in that courtroom, I just literally fell ill. The police are in embarrassment. The hysteria just blew up. Charges against the accused. Kia ora, I'm Melanie Reid, Newsroom's Investigations Editor. Welcome to the sixth episode of our eight-part podcast, Prison. In June 1993, Peter Ellis was sentenced to 10 years in jail. He wasn't eligible for parole for close to five years. We wrote to each other for the entirety of his jail term. In the beginning, he would write about his animals and who was taking care of them and how he was trying to keep his head up, writing, I still blindly look for silver in the clouds. He would also send me drawings he had made of horses because he knew how much I loved them, or me sitting on a magic carpet, and often other animals he loved, especially cats and dogs. A year after he was jailed, Peter's case was heard at the Court of Appeal. Ellis appealed against 16 convictions of sexually abusing seven different preschool children at the Christchurch Civic Child Care Centre. Court reporter Mel Noland has been following the case. Today came an unusual twist. Ellis's lawyer said last week the mother of one of the children contacted the registrar of the High Court in Christchurch and said her daughter had recanted on her trial evidence and now claimed it was all wrong and nothing had happened. 
The court was told an independent barrister spoke to the child... To it was late July 1994, and Peter Ellis's first Court of Appeal hearing was underway when the bombshell hit. The oldest and most credible child complainant in the case retracted, saying she had not been abused by Peter Ellis at all. Hopes were high in the Ellis camp that this would be a turning point, but their optimism was misplaced. The judges were unmoved. It is not uncommon for child complainants in these cases to withdraw their allegations or claim they were lying. The Court of Appeal didn't send a child psychologist. Instead, they sent Nicholas Till, a senior barrister, to assess whether the girl was genuine in her retraction. Alice supporters were devastated at the outcome. The barrister reported that he did not find her explanation that she had made up the details of her complaints convincing. In the end, while we share the doubts expressed by counsel, we are by no means satisfied that this girl did lie at the interviews and in her evidence, although she may now genuinely think she did. Then came the Court of Appeal's decision on whether Peter Ellis's guilty verdict would stand. Our overall judgment of the case is that after this long trial, the jury were fully justified in their conclusion that charges against the accused had been established beyond reasonable doubt. It is significant that the trial judge in his sentencing remarks expressed his agreements with the verdicts, describing them as obviously correct. The judges also rejected criticism of the videotaped interviews with the children that eventually convicted Alice. The evidence of rape using fingers, sticks and needles, of being forced to drink urine and kick each other in the genitals. Today the appeal court upheld that evidence despite one of the 11 child complainants admitting that she'd made up her story against Alice. The court set aside the three charges relating to that child, but upheld the 13 charges involving other children. Defence lawyer Graham Pankhurst remains unconvinced by today's result. This has been without doubt the most difficult case that I've had any connection with, and, and also the case, and probably the only case, about which I've got really fundamental concerns as to the, the verdict that was reached. Alice himself has always denied molesting children. People that have known me all my life, they, just, they know it's not true. As does his mother, who now accepts her son will remain in prison for many years to come. Very, very disappointed. I didn't think it would go so much against Peter. So, pretty sad, really. Alice will remain segregated from the other inmates for the rest of his sentence here at Paparua Prison. He'll be eligible for parole in February 1998. Jeff Hampton, 3, National News. After one of New Zealand's longest running trials... In November 1997, four years and five months into Peter's sentence, I looked deeper into the case and the role of the lead detective, Colin Ede. Peter Ellis's downfall was closely linked to this man, former Christchurch detective Colin Ede. Ede's critics believe he was a man obsessed, hell-bent on putting Ellis behind bars. 
It's now emerged that Colin Eid was fighting for his own mental stability at the time. Uh, I felt almost burnt out, um, pretty close to it, uh, before the crash case started. Uh, by the time it had finished, I was um, beyond repair. Do you think that you were always objective in this case? Objective. It may have appeared that at times I was lacking ob objectivity. In fact, it was put to me in um, cross-examination. That you had it in for Peter Ellis? Mm. And you were going to get him come hell or high water? Yes. Yes, that was, that was the way that, it, that I guess some people saw it. Is that the way it was? It was the way the evidence went, and I went with the evidence. Have you got any comment at all? No, I'm sorry, I can't make a comment. For the first six months, he says he drove the case, and he was in charge of the file that went to court. I was the person who dealt with the parents, the children, the doctors, the interviewers, the psychologists. Uh, so I guess I did all the, the family side of things. We also revealed Colonied Proposition, the mother of the child who made the first formal disclosure about Peter Ellis. Is there anything that you want to tell us about her? No. That's a fairly heavy accusation for someone that was in the position that you were in. Look, I'm not going to discuss it. Are you denying it? No, I'm just not discussing it. Following the trial, he had relationships with two mothers who believed Ellis had abused their children. Well, two relationships. Um, sometimes, I guess, you meet people um, that you like. Sometimes relationships come from them. I know how putting this can look, but I'm not prepared to respond to any, any of that. The Peter Ellis affair is fast becoming the Colin Eade affairs. Colin Eade admitted to yet another affair, this time with a social welfare specialist who had a significant role in the investigation. But Eade says that relationship happened after he left the police, some seven months after the Alice trial. In the week after that story aired, the police commissioner announced an internal investigation into Colin Eade. That same report also raised questions about the impartiality of two jury members in Alice's original trial. Firstly, there was the jury foreman. This is the marriage certificate of Crown Prosecutor Brent Stanaway. It's signed by the minister who performed Stanaway's marriage ceremony. That minister was the foreman of the jury. There is another jury member whose impartiality could be questioned. This jury member was living in a relationship. Her partner worked in a small Christchurch building and shared the same office. In fact, she sat across the desk from a complainant child's mother. Who can tell now what significance that would have had? This is Christchurch QC Nigel Hampton, who at one point was part of the Alice legal team. I am quite sure from what uh, I am now told about it, that that would have led to a stopping of the trial and of starting again. The Solicitor General referred the concerns about the jury to the Minister of Justice, Doug Graham, who's also awaiting other significant submissions. So it is a matter to be taken seriously and, and uh, 
the sooner those applications are actually filed, obviously the better it is, because if there has been a miscarriage of justice which can be corrected later by the Court of Appeal, then the sooner that is done the better. And that question of justice was being hotly debated in New Zealand's Parliament. There should be a judicial inquiry into the handling of this whole case. Given that we learned from Detective Eid on Television 3 programme... And most unexpected were the sentiments from MP John Banks. He was Minister of Police at the time of Alice's trial. Back then, he described Alice as walking evil. And in the media, he had no qualms in justifying his dramatic U-turn. Well, what has changed is that the evidence upon which he was convicted for child abuse looks like it's falling apart. Now, there's only one thing worse than being convicted of child abuse, and that is serving time in jail when you're not guilty of child abuse. Then Rana Waitai, former police superintendent and current chairman of the Justice and Law Reform Parliamentary Select Committee. He called for Alice to be pardoned and released. I also believe he should be uh, compensated hugely and that there should be, an inquiry should take place uh, to look at a number of aspects of that whole um, investigation. The Justice and Law Reform Select Committee put Police Commissioner Peter Doon on the spot. It was here he agreed to a police inquiry into the crash investigation procedures. And I can assure you that if there are any ethical, procedural uh, or fairness breaches on the part of the police at the end of that stage, I will take every step to ensure that justice will be done. And opposition justice spokesperson Phil Goff was demanding answers. And the fact that not all evidence of the children witnesses were produced, will he now approach the Minister of Justice to advocate a new trial for Peter Ellis? If not, why not? Mr Delamere. It is inappropriate to comment on this matter at this time due to the counsel for Mr Ellis making a submission to the Governor General. Any comment on the No, no comment at all. Thank you. That submission was coming from a new addition to Alice's legal team, the formidable Queen's counsel, Judith Ablett-Kerr. Her plan of attack included a petition to the Governor-General for a free pardon for Alice, or failing this, that the case be referred back to the Court of Appeal for a second time. In the meantime, Peter Ellis became eligible for parole, but his freedom was conditional on him showing remorse for the crimes he was convicted of. Here is Peter's mother, Leslie Ellis, speaking to a reporter. Anything that contributes to the fact that he may have been guilty, uh, he won't do. Yeah, but he must obviously uh, still want to come out as soon as possible. Oh yes, he wants to come out very, very much, of course but he won't do it on those grounds. Okay, and, and how is, have you spoken, when, when was the last time you spoke with Peter and how's he feeling leading up to this? Well, I, I go out every Saturday for visiting, so we had a good talk about it on Saturday. When he was eligible for parole the next year, the same thing would happen. He stated his innocence and therefore stayed locked up. 
So every Saturday without fail, Leslie Ellis would visit her son in prison. By the end of 1997, Peter was nearly five years into his sentence. Peter's letters to me had become more political. He began to advocate for other prisoners, writing about how little help there was for them, particularly those struggling with mental health issues. He wrote, I'll say it again, jails are full of a failed mental health system, an ever-increasing failed education system, and an assortment of bewildered people. Things are dreadful and getting worse. Men with the skills of 12-year-olds, ex-mental patients, elderly men with chronic illnesses walk our jails, not to mention the innocent. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be, to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. At Christmas time, Peter would become increasingly agitated because there would always be a family day and the children of the inmates would go to the prison to visit their dads, but their dads never had any presents to give their kids. Peter decided this was terrible for all concerned, so he insisted that I arrange and organise huge numbers of wrapped presents, and I did. Here's just one of the Christmas shopping lists he sent. Family Day Chrissy presents. For one to three years, six boys, six girls. Four to six years, ten boys, six girls. Eight to ten years, six boys, eight girls. Eleven to twelve years, five boys, five girls. A total of 52 children. And in capitals he wrote, Please, please pull some strings and help me get those presents. And wrote, As a mother yourself of a gorgeous little boy, you will understand how uplifting it is for a parent good or bad, to give their child a gift at Christmas, and how sad it is not to be able to do so.
In March of 1998 came the news via the Minister of Justice that the Governor-General had declined a pardon for Alice. But the case was referred back to the Court of Appeal. Peter Alice's lawyer, Judith Ablett-Kerr's first move was to apply for bail. The three Court of Appeal judges have given no indication how long they'll take to decide whether Ellis should be allowed out of Rolleston Prison, where he recently marked his 40th birthday. Well, we're joined now from outside Rolleston Prison in Christchurch by reporter Melanie Reid. Melanie, hello. What reaction from the Ellis camp to the Appeal Court's delay in deciding whether or not to grant Peter Ellis bail? Well, John, tonight... Alice's supporters are shocked and alarmed that the Appeal Court reserved its decision. You see, once the Governor-General recommended that Alice's case be referred back to the Court of Appeal on the grounds that there may have been a miscarriage of justice, Alice's supporters really did think there would be no delay in him getting bail. And after all, he is five years through his 10-year sentence. Melanie, Peter Ellis himself remains locked up somewhere behind you there. Bitter disappointment for him personally? Bitter disappointment, I'm sure, but I doubt very much that Peter Ellis is surprised. There's a lot riding on this, and not just for Peter Ellis. Who else will be watching the appeal court with bated breath? Well, you're right, John, the stakes here are very high. Ellis, for one, is not going to be satisfied until he is exonerated, until such a time that it is acknowledged that that he was wrongly accused, uh, wrongly convicted and wrongly jailed. And therefore the credibility of organisations like social welfare and the police and even the judicial system is on the line in one way or another. Melanie Reid, outside Wollaston Prison in Christchurch, thank you very much. It was July of 1999, just over six years into Peter's sentence, when the second Court of Appeal hearing opened. The Court of Appeal gave its decision on two things. The first, the request to broaden the scope of the upcoming appeal hearing, and secondly, Peter's application for bail. On the first, for the reasons given, uh, we direct that the hearing will be confined to the matters particularised in the order and council. And on the second, if the reasons given, the application for bail is dismissed. Here is Peter Ellis's lawyer, Judith Ablett-Kerr, following the court decision. I don't know about a setback. It's certainly uh, letting us know exactly where we stand, isn't it? What is the next move? From here, uh, we have four courses of action open to us. Now, we can either, and, uh, well, I'll explain them to you. The first course of action is that we can accept the parameters that the uh, Court of Appeal have set, and we can run with that, which would mean that we will be dealing with narrow grounds of appeal, and we wouldn't, of course, be discussing things like... Um, uh, Detective Ede or the second and third juror that we've complained about. Um, so we could do that. We can go back to the Governor-General and ask him to broaden the scope and so that we get uh, a wider ambit in the Court of Appeal. Or we can go to the Privy Council in London and um, appeal the decision. And the fourth ground is that we can ask for a Royal Commission. 
It was July of 1999 before the second Court of Appeal hearing opened, and by now, an extended scope was accepted. Case in question fits within satanic ritual abuse. So, to recap, the defence's basic arguments were that a wave of emotion produced an unwitting conspiracy against Peter Ellis. The child interviewing process was seriously flawed, and that two members of the jury had links with people involved in the case. But perhaps the most controversial of all this, the fact that the jury didn't hear all the evidence, the more bizarre, unbelievable allegations. But none of this cut any ice with the Court of Appeal. The appeal is dismissed. The Court of Appeal has rejected the second appeal. There's one thing you can be sure of. Uh, the battle to clear Mr Ellis's name goes on. The Ellis files are still open. The truth is out there. <laughs> the Court of Appeal judgment did, however, recognise the benefits a commission of inquiry could bring to the case. And in November 1999, there was a renewed call for an inquiry after a change of government. But by now, Peter Ellis had served his time, having spent almost seven years in jail. Out of prison for only a few hours and Peter Ellis finds himself back in front of the media that have followed the twists and turns of this extraordinary case for the last decade. Peter Ellis appears nervous and slightly hesitant, but knows what he's here for. I hope you will understand my decision to read out what I want to say to you. After being a prisoner for nearly seven years, I wasn't sure I'd be able to express what I wanted to say without writing it down first. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to the public of New Zealand who have supported me over the last eight years. I want to say thank you in particular to the parents of children at the crash who have stood by me. They know who they are and I will always be moved by their support. I can't let this moment pass without also mentioning the tremendous support that I have received from my fellow prisoners and their families, and it has been much appreciated. Finally, I want to thank my mother and my family. In particular, I mention my mother, who has given the last eight years of her life to supporting me, and I feel that she has served that sentence with me. Thank you, Mum. And then he's gone. With his legal team around him, Alice disappears to another life. And as they have done for six and a half years, the media turn to his mother for their interviews. Well, I think the focus is still going to be on clearing his name. On the day Peter Ellis was released from prison, the new Minister of Justice, Phil Goff, announced an inquiry into the case. For Alice and his supporters, it's another chance to clear his name.
Not long after his release, Peter sat down for another of our interviews. His hair was longer now, his youthful naivety gone. Perhaps, just perhaps, that I have spent the six and a half years fighting for them just as much as I have been fighting for clear, to clear my name. You've been fighting for the children? Of course I have. That is, that is what being a childcare worker is, is, is standing up and saying for the children. It didn't happen, and it, this is not fair on you. It's not fair on your parents. We want a full investigation into the civic crash case, and we would like the emotions torn aside and look and see what the issues are left and the people that actually drove that case. Are you bitter or are you just hiding it? You can make prison tough and you can make yourself bitter. And I have a clear conscience. I did not abuse children at the Civic and I have the people that believe that. So I can't afford to be bitter because, again, it diminishes their support and their faith in me. And as I said, I've, I, I had a happy family and I have still got a happy family and they were always there for me, so no, I'm not bitter. Do you feel angry? I can feel angry, yes, I'm angry. I'm angry because it took away a brilliant crash. It effectively threw a huge stone in the middle of a pond. And that ripple didn't just stop at the civic crash. It stops grandfathers from, from picking up their first grandchild because they're a bit worried. It stops uncles from, from, from going and picking up their nephews and nieces from, from, from playgroups. And it stops the fathers of New Zealand participating fully with their children. And our teachers, our teachers in, in early childhood, our male teachers uh, and, and those in, in primary school, they, they don't want to be it. We're, we're losing those. Peter Ellis's own future looks uncertain. He won't work in the childcare industry again, and six and a half years in prison tends to be career limiting. However, his time behind bars saw him develop a deep interest in prison reform and helping other inmates. It's clear that Ellis feels a deep sense of gratitude to those who served time with him. At the press conference, you were quite emotional when you were talking about the support from inmates. Why was that? It's, it was arriving in the prison system and you... you know, it's, it's a terrible label to be you know, a, a child abuser or, in the word, being the kid fucker. And to find that that obviously some of them had read and uh, made up their own minds, and that that they took time to actually talk to me and, and make their own personal formed decisions. You know, those the, those people and their mothers and, 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 and their visitors that turned around and said, keep going and, and we believe in you, were, were important to me. And they became important, I think, to my mother too. For now, Alice plans to keep to himself and wait for the government inquiry. 
and look after another recently released prison friend. Fergus was in the Le Mans Villas in the self-care units with me and uh, we uh, had to get him fixed and uh, be responsible for him and one of the prereqs was he, he was to go with me. So when Peter Ellis went out of prison after six and a half years, Fergus the cat? No, Fergus got paroled the day before me actually. <laughs> he, went, he went first and uh, so he was sitting rather grumpily in, in the dirt box um, when I arrived home. Throughout this long-running saga, Alice's sense of humour has remained close to the surface. He refuses to entertain descriptions like victim or martyr. And he says he's found a silver lining in the cloud that's hung over him for so many years. I found out I was probably a lot stronger than I, than, than I ever thought I was. And perhaps I grew up a little bit, I don't know. Coming up in the next episode, the release of an explosive new book revealing the power and politics behind the case. And we go head-to-head with the Minister of Justice. To watch the video series of Peter Ellis, The Crash Case and me, and for more award-winning journalism that matters, head to newsroom.co.nz. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe. Please rate and review our series. It helps new listeners find us. Check out our social media pages to get in touch and see photos and video clips. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok by searching The Peter Ellis Case. This series is written, produced and presented by me, Melanie Reid, edited by Paul Entercott and Lewis Tennant. Original music by Age Pryor, sound mix by Richard Wills, written and produced by Bonnie Sumner, and our podcast producer is Lewis Tennant. This is a Newsroom Investigates production, made in partnership with News Hub. Peter Ellis, The Crash Case, and Me is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air.